2: Shop all things Cherry Johnson at TheRealCherry.com Hey and welcome to Cherry's World Podcast. I am Cherry Johnson and my co-host is Mr. Courtney Blackman. Today we got a financial advisor in the house, y'all, and his goal is to help you progress with your money. His name is Mr. Jonathan Thomas and he owns Jonathan Thomas Solutions. He also has his own YouTube page and is called Money Talks. So without further ado, I want to ask him some questions about how to close the financial gap between our community and everyone else. Stay tuned.
0: The only podcast coming through your beat stereo is Cherry's World, so let's go around like a merry go Plug your phone in, make sure I got a full battery. Download it Wednesday. Listen to it Saturday. She cover all topics, whatever you after. She got ball players, authors, doctors, actors, rappers, singers, entrepreneurs, divas, leaders. Androids or Apple, turn up your speakers. Trying to shoot my shot like the vaccine, whether it's Cherry or Maxine, whether the podcast or acting, she that queen. P-Y-T, you know what that means, so you on tv and touch the screen touch on you i plead lucy he's got a crush on you it'll mean the world to get a blush from you teaspoon of me leave you sleep like through.
2: here today first of all because i've had a financial advisor like my whole life right but only the past 15 years have i had one that was black <laughs> and so i love seeing our people get into the business what inspired you to um start thinking about money early and want to do this for a living?
3: Well, um, I didn't. <laughs> my, my wife would, was, would be the reason why I started. So when I got out of college, I was really just looking for a job like most people who get their bachelor's degree. Who's gonna hire me? How can I get a salary to get going? Uh, and I was getting turned down left and right. Uh, so my wife actually suggested, cause she at the time was working for Wells Fargo. They said, how come you don't try working for the bank? Uh, and incidentally, the process went very, very quickly for me to get in. I mean, she helped and coached on me on interviewing and things of that nature, but, um, the ability to get in. And then once I was able to, in that first 30 days, realize at the time, my credit score was 500, um, no savings. Did you? I couldn't explain to you what a 401k was or, um, how to buy a house, car loan, anything, anything that had to do with money, I feel like I was just as ignorant as anybody else. I knew I needed to go to work, and I knew uh, I needed to pay my bills, uh, and once my money ran out, I started that cycle right back over again the next two weeks, so... Once I got in it actually started helping people set up these accounts and uh, talk to them about their credit cards and really talk about their day to day finances. That's what took me down that road because I really felt like a fraud um, because of my financial status. I'm like, how am I going to help this person save, or how am I going to help this person? And I mean, real life scenarios are coming in. You got a person on Social Security that can't pay their bills. The account is overdrawn. You got. Mom trying to get credit because they tire blew out and they just can't find uh, another way to do it. And then um, not really fully understanding how their relationship could be better, even when you start to think about investing, So for me, I really looked at the fact of, hey, how do I learn to save? How does this stuff work? And over that first 30, 60, 90 days, because I was at a pretty busy banking center, so I saw a lot of different people, I started to realize how how much money impacts and how much there is so a a lack of education, I would say, uh, in how we can utilize our financial institution. There are a lot of different things banks will do for you for free (laughs) and um, help you get on the right track without you ever having to spend a dime. Uh, and so that empowered me.
2: Before you move on, can you name like three of those things that drinks will help us do for free?
3: So um, number one, if you're a small business owner, uh, I know at the time of uh, Bank of America, they would help you actually set up your business website to um, service clients to take payments. Um, and I mean, take payments and engage with your current client base. The second thing is, If you're trying to buy a home, if you're trying to invest in stocks, all of those things are services that they offer you. That's why they have financial advisors there. That's why they have mortgage people there. And you don't have to do an application then and there. You don't have to do um, you don't have to invest with them just by being a customer of the bank, checking account, what have you, gives you the right to Get questioned. And the good thing about any bank is, like you said, if you don't like that particular financial advisor, you can go find a different one in their, uh, their bank that, hey, I prefer somebody who's African American. They'll do whatever to make you feel comfortable um, and get and make it easier for you to digest the information. Oh, uh, so, before
2: you move on, you just said something that is so huge that I don't think most people realize. I didn't even realize. You do not have to pay extra to have a financial advisor. If you have yeah. a bank account, yeah. you can get free advice right there in your bank.
3: Yeah. Uh, it's, it's really important because, um, and then the third thing I would say is a lot of people think banks make money off, hey, having my checking account, having my credit card. The truth is the most the thing that makes the bank the most money is investments. They'll take a credit card from you, and obviously they enjoy uh, having the most. Bank. I thought they made just, their money
4: off of uh, <laughs> you going negative in <laughs> your right, account. <laughs> you know what
3: I mean? But their true profit is their the true thing that really makes the bank money is holding those investments. If they can hold your investment, that makes the bank nine times their profit. Credit makes it three times. Checking account is one time.
0: Wow.
2: Oh. So when you say investments, do you mean like um, mutual funds and things like that?
3: Correct. Investments, index funds, 401k, uh, if you have a rollover, IRA, something that has you in the market through them, uh, through their access to the stock market, and you're holding those funds. And then obviously, if you're continuing to add to that, that helps grow that profit margin for them. Even though, again, they may not be making money. If you're doing an index fund, they're probably not making as much money off the fee because the fees are very low. But just holding that cash, cash is always going to be um, a great asset for the bank. Makes sense.
4: Hey, you know, I asked, uh, we interviewed someone a couple uh, months ago, and I and I never under- I still didn't really understand it because they said the bank uh, is only responsible for 250000 right?
3: Right. So- In short. Insured
4: so,
3: for two hundred fifty thousand. Right. So the uh, which can be a deterrent, right? So if you worked really hard and you're now retired or you're getting to that financial independence, and you want to hold a little bit more cash because obviously, uh, you a situation like now might come up, right? Your stocks might be down, but the bank is federally insured. So it's not really the bank, but the uh, FDIC uh, insures the bank a bank account for two hundred and up to two hundred fifty thousand. Per account per person. Uh, Now, there is a like I like to say a trick to that, because like if, if you go to credit union, they just use a national credit union association to do it. But basically, you can ladder your accounts to if you have cash over that to where you're constantly insured just by how you structure, meaning. If it's you and your husband on one, then the next account might be you and a kid or um, and you have multiple kids or beneficiaries. Stuff like that will extend that insurance so that what if you got 500? What's your multimillionaire? What if you only got, yeah, that's what um, I was wondering. you know, saying So what what if you want to ensure more that hey, if something happens, I'm good. So that's how people typically do it. They just add another person um, okay. as a beneficiary. And that extends that out.
2: Or a corporation or LLC.
3: Exactly.
2: Gotcha. Okay. So I'm not a mutual fund fan.
3: Right.
2: And it's because the money doesn't grow fast enough for me. <laughs> what do you think is the most secure way for somebody who's never invested but kind of wants to get in investing and saving a little money? Where would you tell them to put their money?
3: By far, the SP 500 index fund. Uh, that's going to be. Uh, like, if, you, if you've if ever been in personal finance, everybody always say, hey, we, we need you to have an emergency fund, three to six months of expenses. Well, the S&P 500 is, I like to say, your emergency fund for investing. That's where you want to start your basis for investing to allow that. If you want to go off and do in, individual stocks, even if you want to invest in crypto, real estate, whatever you decide to invest in, you use the S&P 500 as the baseline uh, for your investing. Uh, so majority of your holdings would be in that. The second reason for that is, um, number one is 500 stocks that you can identify with. The average person can identify with the holdings of the S&P 500, because it's the US. That means the Apple, Berkshire Hathaway, which is Warren Buffett's company. Facebook, Zoom, which we're on, Netflix, um, Samsung, all the things that you likely probably already have in your home is in the S&P 500, McDonald's, uh, for example. So it's important that when you're investing in something, like I wouldn't necessarily pay for something uh, or invest in something if I didn't think, number one, that I was going to have a return on it. And also if I didn't believe that in the actual product. And utility is a sense of relief if you didn't believe samsung was a good product you wouldn't buy samsung if you didn't if you didn't use apple you wouldn't buy apple so the whole purpose of this is these are the bedrock of our economy and this is what drives our economy forward and even if it gets a little bit um, off kilter like during the pandemic the key drivers of the S&P 500 was really four stocks everything that had to do with tech related zoom um netflix again apple those tech stocks were the key drivers four or five stocks drove five a 500 portfolio but that's the basis uh the third thing is typically if you're at a and i always suggest people typically use fidelity charles Schwab, vanguard um, as an investment firm while i worked at a bank um i always advocate that you use the professionals the people who specialize in this area to actually deal with your money. So just like the bank will advise you, but they're not, I wouldn't say, I would say they would be second or third in the industry. The first in the industry are investment firms. Again, Fidelity, Charles Schwab and Vanguard. The reason why I use those is because number one, they're known to have index funds that not only have low fees, but, your ability to buy, meaning you can buy at, if I got a dollar, 50 $0.50, $25, whatever, you can buy at any amount. Uh, so that helps encourage you to save. And then next, those three companies typically are offered when you talk about that advice piece, because not only are they going to advise you right now, and for me, I use Fidelity, but they're going to help you grow your relationship and start to Introduce you to okay this this is where you at right now so if you started with them with zero dollars and now you didn't grew up to 100k they're probably gonna be talking to you about hey we probably need to introduce you as to our tax piece or at least educate you on how you can start to prepare for taxes because you might want to pull some of that 100k to use for a home we you might want to diversify so and then if you're a business owner hey how can you uh, make your business a little bit more concrete with investing, not just be constantly looking at the cash flow. So uh, I like though, I like that aspect about them the most because they're not just that one in time, like their goal is to grow your portfolio. Their goal is to move the dial. And then the other thing is their advisors aren't paid off your portfolio. They just pay them a salary. So they have really no um motivation to give you bad advice.
4: <laughs> hey, you know, I was joking earlier about the um bank making money, making all their money off fees, but I saw that uh Chase and Bank of America, um I think April is it April or May, they're gonna like yeah. stop, stop with all that. Yeah. I remember in 08, um was it 07 or eight, they got in trouble. A lot of the banks got in trouble for all that. And then they hey, they had stopped for a while, then they started mm-hmm. back. So why?
3: So uh, Capital One kicked it off. <laughs> so yeah. Capital One kicked it off as in, hey, uh, and typically anything new, uh, typically Capital One is kind of the beacon. But right now, I think it has a little bit more uh, power to be substantial um, because Capital One, majority of their customer base is credit scores, 660 and typically below. So if you've ever had a low credit score like myself and I still have one, um, Capital One is typically the first person to reach out to you to offer you some credit. So uh, they know a a huge amount of data on the African-American community, the Latino community, all the diverse segments. So when you start thinking about now, we're in a little bit more um, diverse centric culture, where people are really starting to pay attention to the things that challenge and put disparities in the races, the fees in banking, not just banking and those who don't bank uh, is a big one, and particularly the overdraft fee. So it's good, like I said, to do it, but the whole point of the fee is really to deter you from overdraft. It's just a lot of people's like, oh, I can use this as an unofficial loan or unofficial emergency fund when the whole point of the fee is to really deter you from actually misusing your account. And the thing is, that's the thing about banking in general. The way I bank at Capital One is going to be different than how I bank at Bank of America. It's going to be different than how I bank at Wells Fargo. And it's important that you understand how that bank operates. Because you have to operate your spending and saving according to how they do things. And if you don't, that's typically where you run into fees.
4: Yeah, I, know, I was just curious because I'm like, now they're erasing, Like, we're not, we're not doing any more fees, no, no, none of the insufficient yeah. funds and stuff like that. Because
3: it's, it's not the thing that, dri- again, that drives their true thing. So to your point, uh, there's a lot of things that uh, aren't necessary. And you know it's not necessary because- you can go to a credit union, and even though a credit union is a nonprofit, a lot there are a lot of different credit unions that make the same profit margins as a bank. Okay. They just pour everything back into lowering your interest rate, no fees, all that type of stuff, or returning fees, or more location. So the fees that a bank charges is more like extra income. But now, when you think about again all the different things that have come come about, especially since this pandemic started. Right finances, and especially now with (laughs) uh, inflation high, with wages kind of a little bit slow uh, and all the other different factors that are playing with somebody, the last thing somebody want to be is the person like, oh, my gas, I paid 60 bucks and I just paid another 150 to the bank because I bought a bag of chips on the wrong day or something.
2: (laughs) I have a question while we're talking about banks, I'm sorry, Courtney, before we move on, one of the people who follow us on um, Instagram wanted to know, do you think that it's safe right now to leave 70% of your money in the bank?
3: 70%. I'm assuming if they're talking about cash, mm-hmm. they're talking about cash. Mm-hmm. Um, is it The bank is always going to be um, for me stable. So because if the bank isn't stable, that means we have a huge problem in our economy. So that's, how everything runs right now. So I as far as stability, yeah. As far as am I trying to progress and go forward, 70% of your money in cash, um, unless it's like, uh, if it's an absorbent amount, I would be trying to move a little bit of that more to the market right now, just because you you would be getting more value because of the volatility. I'm sorry, volatility of all the other factors—the war, the uh, rising interest rates, all the inflation—all these different factors—that's causing the f- stock market to be a little bit more underpriced at this moment. But the bank is still safe. Hey,
4: why is it that, uh, or has it changed? Is it still you only can you can't bring no more than like nine thousand nine hundred and fifty dollars into the cash, or is it? Is this is that still? <laughs>
3: Well, you can bring as much as you want, but if it's cash, you're always going to be asked or qualified, um, basically, to make sure you're not basically make sure it's not drug money or you're not doing something from in a legal stance. Mm -hmm. So it's not you; they're not going to take your money. They're going to be happy to take your money, and especially if it's a deposit. But when you, yeah, when you start going over certain thresholds, yeah. More investigation is done to see, her Where's the validity of that money? It's always going to be a, a paper trail. Is it still uh, ten thousand? I'm sorry.
4: Is it still ten thousand? You can't go 10, over ten thousand one dollar. <laughs> okay. Wow.
3: Uh, so, and that's one of the things that uh, people, I think, not just that threshold, but I think the idea of being asked and all that is why people. Like the idea of the crypto market because mm-hmm. you can move stuff a lot quicker, but the crypt- crypto market is not necessarily sanctioned right now, it's not regulated right now, and so there's also a lot of fraud happening on those platforms
4: yeah yeah, I heard about that how you think that how you think that's gonna uh, affect it with the new sanctions they're gonna um or the regulations they're gonna put on that? How you think so that's gonna affect?
3: The, the whole thing about the crypto market is. Obviously, it's new. (laughs) Um, It's not too new, 10, 11, 12 years, something like that. But as far as being regulated, that's what they're fighting to actually get. But crypto will be around, and I do think it will be substantial. What we're seeing now um, is new technology. The idea that you no longer have to go through a bank to transfer somebody money is the value. Mm-hmm. People, people are trying to take the bank out the puzzle because you know fees, all that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's easier for me to give you money <laughs> and be straight up versus oh, I got to send it through Bank of America and they they doing all this other stuff. So that idea will never go away. Everybody likes that idea. Nobody doesn't like that idea. So the technology is the the value and the piece that people are holding on to. So I do think it will get there. I think right now is, again, it has a whole lot more work to do, but a lot of these companies that we're already invested in, they already show by investing in crypto and they're working on a crypto ETF right now to help move things along with that. But it the regulation is the tough piece because and right now it it definitely isn't regulated and obviously anything that they're trying to charge taxes on it kind of shows you that hey it's going to be around (laughs) what
2: is etf
3: exchange traded funds so an etf uh you mentioned mutual funds index funds index funds you can i can go in and i can buy an index fund 25 dollars. i can spend whatever money i want and they'll give me a piece prorated of that stock if i'm not paying the full stock price an etf Trades just like a stock, but it is an actual index fund. So it has a stock price. So it might be a hundred and six dollars and fifty cents. So you can only get the ETF if you pay that whole 106.50. So the difference is ETFs are a little bit more tax efficient, but for me, when I started investing, I started um, buying just a regular index fund because I didn't always have $106 to um, buy buy stock, but I wanted to be in the market. So that's the piece. Like Everybody doesn't always have whatever that price is at that day uh, to buy. So you, the good thing about the index fund is that you can buy at whatever amount you have to give. So um,
4: I'm going to ask you a hood question. <laughs> what's a what's a good way? Because I, I hear a lot of people say they're doing this stuff. I don't know if they are for real or not. What's a, um what's a good way, legal way, and not that I gotta sell sex to make twenty five thousand like in the next three to five months?
3: Average person,
4: yeah.
3: You said five months, yeah. I go I go get another job.
4: <laughs> get another job. All right.
3: Um, no. Seriously though. Um, the job market is extremely, extremely, extremely competitive. So right now, an average unemployed person has 1.7 jobs, almost two jobs available for every unemployed person mm-hmm. right now, because of, we have a shortage of, we don't have a shortage of work. We have a shortage of workers. Mm-hmm. And so easily you could, whatever job you're doing, you can easily go to their neighbor. You can easily go to the competitor and you can increase your income easily by 15 30,000 on average.
4: Okay, um, I uh let me take that question back. So, let's just say I got a quick um 8,000 that I want to, you know, make flip it. What's a good one? maybe I, maybe fast way? Say, yeah.
3: But you want you want speed. Yeah. So, you you want speed. So, yeah. if you depend if you got 8,000 I mean
2: cheaper. there's Huh. <laughs> at your girl
3: was. <laughs> <laughs> well there's there's a couple ways, so I would say
4: see that's I what I get a lot though Holler at your girl i I got a girl to tell me right now give me give me five thousand i'm I'm gonna put you on onto this other stuff and on this other stuff yeah. and-, and watching two weeks you're gonna have like eighteen thousand I'm like come on now. Okay, so, no,
2: but there is a website where I know that you can, it's kind of like being a loan shark.
3: Yeah.
4: Say,
2: hey, I have $8,000 to loan.
3: Ball,
2: yeah. Sure. They make but sure.
3: It, he's more, when you talk about flipping, most people talking about like maybe doubling. Um, mm-hmm. And so I would even say, I would probably look at wholesaling real estate because the real estate market is, is high and hot. And you don't necessarily have to hold the real estate to actually do the deal. You're just simply, hey, I got a buyer, I got a seller, I'm selling, I bought it from somebody for 100 and I sold it to somebody for 120. And that's Mm -hmm. how you present the deal to the bank and plenty of people do that. So um, 8,000, I mean, you could even, again, probably in the next 12 to 24 months, You may actually be able to pick up some lower price real estate with Mm $8,000 because, again, we haven't gotten the full repercussion of people not paying their mortgage on time. (laughs) And that's yet to hit the market. And so, unfortunately, uh, it will free up the opportunity for you to buy that. The other thing is, a lot again. It just depends on your risk tolerance, but you could pay the taxes on a property and then own it and yeah. rent it. You could uh, even now yeah. a new thing that people are doing is you can actually find places where the people haven't paid their HOAs for a while and pay that. Uh, like I just recently saw saw this opportunity where a person was sixteen hundred dollars behind on their HOA. A investor picked up the sixteen hundred dollars uh, for the mortgage was current and everything, you know what I mean? But the HOA was not. <laughs> and in their bylaws, they can foreclose, the HOA can foreclose on the home. And that's what they did. And this person bought it for $1,600. And so they were selling it to that person for another 30000 It's not a, like I said, it's not the best story, but when you're talking about hey, those type of opportunities will be available. Yeah, um, and I like I like option
4: number two because I've seen people
3: do that. Um, uh, as like far that, as paying off the taxes?
4: Yeah, and yeah. taking over yeah. the house. Yeah, I've yeah. seen people do that. You're right,
3: okay. And I mean, a lot of those, I mean, it's just one of those things where if you got the house, honestly, if I if I bought a property and all I had to pay was $8,000 to own it, yeah. I personally do not mind investing money into it, especially if it' it finds out in a decent area because I'm gonna get my eight eight thousand plus something. You can always take a loan and put a renter all that type of stuff, or again, it's a hot market, so even if you did all that work, you can sell it. <laughs> you just made it livable, and once it's out there, you'll get a swarm of people because we just don't have enough inventory on the market okay
2: Most of the people get
3: that's more time though. But if you're talking about six months and you're trying to double, you'll probably double close to in this real estate market, you might triple (laughs) whatever you, you've done.
2: Okay. Wow. Let's talk about money talk. So you have your own YouTube channel and you're on there constantly. Yeah. yeah, What started the whole money talks thing and what is, what, what's your vision?
3: So uh, money talks was really a, a passion project because about four, yeah, four years ago, um, I used to just post on Facebook, just, again, working with clients, working with team members, seeing a different situations. I would just post little things that I saw just to, hey, watch out for this. Hey, this might be a good opportunity. Uh, and that came about because a lot of my college friends uh, and friends I grew up, went to high school with, well, now I'm seeing them in their lives And I'm watching how they complain about different bills or um, I'm seeing the financial stress kind of play out as they get on. So I started posting. And then once I got to one of my uh, jobs in my career, I worked at a credit union that really encouraged and motivated me to really give and educate the community. That's what credit unions really do. They really focus on their community. And so I was looking at a way that, hey, how can I help? these people, how can I help just my friends and family get a little bit better and get a little bit more financially stable? And so that um, that posting turned into a sit now $1,600, 1,600 person Facebook group. Uh, and then the Facebook group, I realized that people are only going to get so much from a post, a, a quick post, a quick nugget. So that's where I try to um, build out the YouTube page to complement all the different concepts and all the different things that not only am I learning going through this um, money wealth building journey, but things that are coming up on the news that really affect you, but you don't really know that they're affecting you. You're seeing the pain of it, but you don't know why that's happening.
2: I'm over here reading questions for you. Um, one of the questions that just came in is, I know businesses are not doing so well right now because of COVID and the war. Do you think now is a bad time to invest in a franchise?
3: It, it's always going to be, depend on the franchise. Um, so if the franchise has a market, like if you have an opportunity to get a McDonald's Chick-fil-A, go get it. <laughs> um, but I, I personally know someone here in Charlotte Uh, they just expanded their business. Uh, I don't think it's a bad time because, again, even though the war is going on, and even though uh, you might see gas high, the indicators of our economy is that, honestly, people are more what still ready to spend. And a lot of it is still pent up demand because people got burnout, right? So uh, there's a lot of Uh, emotional spending involved because no one's ever had to deal with (laughs) the trauma of these last three years um, happening. It seems like just as soon as you get a little bit of light, oh, now we're in a war. And oh, for me, I was like, okay, so this war, we just started getting a little bit more calmer about the pandemic piece. But I'm like, how's this war thing going to play out? And we were all trying to do our social distancing. Well, they're not social distancing. So, uh, and now Europe, China, they're starting to see a little bit surge. So it may push us back and they've had their lockdowns. But uh, I wouldn't say from a business aspect is bad. uh, It's a bad opportunity to franchise because I do think there is a lot of still pent up demand and people don't mind spending their money and they want to do things and they want to find new creative ways to spend their money. Knowing that this is kind of a little bit of their normal life,
2: right? I agree. I, I'm one of those emotional shoppers.
3: <laughs> no, I, I get it. Like I, I didn't realize. I I actually am a little bit more emotional than myself. Um, but I didn't realize my wife got me doing a a camp, uh, a, some sort of diet camp, and she t- basically stripped everything out the house. And I'm like, there. This is not fun. And then he doesn't do a cheat day. He do one cheap meal, and I'm like, oh how many more weeks we got to do this? Cause in my head, I'm like, my body ain't really that bad. So I might have to abbreviate this. So, uh, but no, it does a good meal, all that type of stuff. There is some emotional spending. There is some way that you're, you're just trying to have some enjoyment because I mean, for lack of a better sense, you've been kind of locked up. They call it down, but you've been kind of locked up. Uh, and when you felt like you was on punishment and you did nothing wrong. <laughs> so uh, I was just here. So, um,
2: so I'm yeah, buying clothes and have nowhere to go. because Yeah, I'm,
3: you know me, awesome. and I'll, that's why I'm people wearing. wearing hoodies. That's the why the hoodie <laughs> resurgence uh, as the everyday wear. That's the new thing, and you got to pay a hundred dollars for a hoodie now. So, <laughs> <hundred dollars>. wow. <laughs> hey,
4: um uh, man, I saw a meme. I want to ask you about. Man, I can't even remember what it. Is. I
2: would say if you look for it, I'll ask him this question. That somebody just wrote me in the inbox, and I hope this makes sense. Cause I had to read it like twice. He said, I noticed that over the last 20 years, I've been receiving settlements for credit cards and my credit score has never gone up after I've paid my credit cards off. Also he did file bankruptcy over 20 years ago, but in the last five years, his credit score has not gone up.
3: So if you had settlements, meaning he paid and that's fine. Um, Collections doesn't really impact as much as you would want it to. Your debt and how how you're paying your debt and what active debt, active trade lines you have. So do you have a mortgage, especially? Do you, even if you don't have a mortgage, do you have student loans? If you do have student loans, are you at least making some payment on them? Um, the, right now, I know people don't like it, but if you don't have a mortgage and you have no intent on getting a mortgage, if you set up an income-based payment plan with your student loan, pay is built to allow you to pay what you can afford. Um, that will get you to that desired 800 strength score. Paying on student loans has, I I would almost say, the same effect weight as paying on a mortgage on your credit. Um, but it's all going to really depend on your active debt. Uh, do you, If you have a credit card, are you at least putting a tank of gas on there or something, you know, you normally pay every month are just to keep it active. You don't have to carry any debt or anything. And I'm by far not going to advocate for you to go out and get some debt, but if it's something you were going to pay anyway, <laughs> put it on your credit card and only put it on your credit card and then get the benefit and pay it right back off in a couple of days when it posts. But as far as if you are really trying to make movement, if you have student loans and a lot of people deferred them and honestly, with the pause, that actually helped a lot of people because on credit, it looks like you've been making a payment for the last two, three years, even though there's pause on interest and all that. But if you can make a payment on your student loans, if you have any, that's what's going to do it. But if he doesn't have any debt and he's done a great job uh, paying off those settlement, then it's all going to come to what are you doing active and a simple credit card will get you there.
4: Hey, hey, what's the, um, this might, well, it's a financial question though. What do you recommend? Do you recommend, um, I guess it also depends on location too, but, uh, as far as renting a house out or like now Airbnb in it, what, what do you recommend?
3: I mean, Airbnb is, is, I mean, it's all, it's all risky. Uh, if I, if I was single, um, before my wife, I would always advocate somebody, especially an African-American person, try to get you a house, try to rent out half of it, whatever, um, as soon as you can. Uh, obviously, once you get married, you can't have people living in the rooms or anything like that. But as a single person, um, I would very much advocate for that for a couple of reasons. Uh, right now, with the prices of home, average price of a home is 413 across the U.S. now, um, which is... Uh, 70,000 more uh, over the past year. And so it's gonna creep up, but we know, and um, most people know that buying a home is the gateway to building wealth. So if you can get you a home responsibly, and you can start it early, that would be good. If you're not able to buy a home, um, or in Airbnb it of course, but buying a home just for yourself, that's going to be good because that can help put you on a fast track. That yeah, you might buy a two hundred, two hundred, three hundred, or two hundred, three hundred thousand dollar home. But the next key I would say is again, if you're trying to build wealth, is you need to focus on moving. The problem is a lot of people stay. As far as African Americans, they they stay in the home. It's nothing wrong with that but truth be told my childhood home is worth eight thousand dollars actually that's a good investment for you if you uh mm-hmm. still look <laughs> you go buy that one but um uh, the, the seriousness of it is when i study work with millionaires and i studied them uh and just looking at how they move they move they move based off where their life is they, they you obviously move up as you have kids and life changes, but they were doing that because the more you move up, the, the faster that home will grow in equity. So that they, if I'm 30, by the time I'm 50, you might have a two, $300,000 mortgage. And that may have never changed, but now you got $600,000 in equity that you like, Hey, it's time for me to downside. And once you downside, you might be at that two, 300 level. Condo, townhouse, wherever you want to stay, or you might want to go abroad, whatever that case may be. But now you own that baby, that thing outright. You know what I mean? But the move, the moving is one thing to get in a home. But I always encourage people to realize: don't buy a home with the idea this is your forever home. Average person moves seven times. Like that's that's just the truth. Um, But if you can do that, Uh, and then from an Airbnb standpoint. I tried it. (laughs) It's, it's not as easy as people would like it to be um, because a property that we're working on uh, some of the, some of your best properties are bounded by the HOAs and the communities that they're in. And a lot more people are having HOA. So it can be good. I'm not going to say it's not, but really it's, where is your property located? But it can be actually good. But I mean, I'm I'm part of several um, opportunities where people talk about their day to day challenges with managing these expenses. Yeah,
2: education is definitely key when it comes to anything. What I was taught was you buy the ugliest house on the nicest street in the nicest neighborhood. You hold it for five years, and then you get the equity out and you move into a more expensive property. But you yeah. Don't- try to keep your mortgage the same.
3: Yeah. 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 You definitely don't want to be the most expensive home in the neighborhood. Um, but like, especially now, um, it's just, I know people want to believe that the, the values are going to slow down, but they're not necessarily going to slow down. Some of these markets are just too hot, um, because of all the business coming in. But this is a, if you were, if you were in position to buy, it's not a bad time to buy because people want to avoid PMI and all this. You can spend, um, like you said, 8,000, 7,000, whatever as a down payment. And in this market where you likely might be doing new construction, you'll probably have good 20, 30,000 when you go to the closing table in equity on top of what you already put in. So it's not necessarily a bad, bad time to buy. It's just, can you afford where it's, where it's going? And with interest rates now going up, Um, that's going to make the decision that more difficult.
2: I have a question, and, and this is probably for both of you. Okay, so we're at a time when COVID hit, right? It's supposed to be like a recession. People are losing their jobs. Homeless has skyrocketed. But how are house prices skyrocketing the same as the homeless? Like... I just, I don't get it. We have so many homes and they're saying that there's a housing shortage, right? It is. How is there a housing shortage when there's so many people who don't have a place to live? And how has my property gone up $26,000 when so many people are laid off? Is the balloon-
3: I would say inflation. Is,
2: that's what I was going to say. Is there like- well, a Yeah,
3: house, it, it, is it a so, so basically supply and demand. So we don't have enough inventory in the real estate market to meet the demand of- someone trying to sell a home. So what does it say right now for every home out there? It's like 50, 50 buyers ready to that's ready to buy. It. Before, before oops, I think uh, somebody volume Okay. Just,
2: I don't I'm not understanding
3: because yeah so um, but, coming from? before well the biggest thing was how did it happen was again COVID the shut, the absolute shutdown. Nobody was building homes that stopped progress. On top of that, you, you had an issue with lumber. The price of lumber went crazy as well as people couldn't actually get the materials to build the home. So it's slow.
2: One wildfire. I'm not buying it.
3: Yeah. But that's, that's what actually occurred. And so now, um, like I said, because they stopped production, a lot, um, a lot of people stopped production and then, the prices of lumber went up astronomically um, because a lot of these people, when this happened, you got to think there were already homes in progress. I'm sorry, uh, already homes being in the progress of being built. So most, how this usually works is they have some sort of construction the The builder is lending or borrowing to actually do it and then you take it off the building. Well, if everything stops, and I'm still paying, they still got to pay this, but the price went up. And so the price now goes up for the buyer and the buyer might have earnest money, but a lot of buyers could be like, hey, I'm not going to buy this right now because if we decided to be 350, now you're saying it's going to be 450. And for many people, it was never even a set price. They just kept moving the price all throughout the the process. But the biggest thing was the supply I'm sorry, supply and demand issue, they couldn't necessarily get get the demand right, or I'm sorry, supply to the builders. And because they couldn't get the supply to the builders, as far as the demand for people trying to buy homes and people trying to build homes, there's not enough homes being built at the rate of buyers. And so a lot of people were actually, and people aren't selling, a lot of people aren't really selling their homes to free up their inventory. So you have they're relying heavily on builders. On top of a lot of people, um Zillow came kind of came through and bought up a lot of homes too. So that that type of stuff was was going on. But it really is a supply and demand issue. I think my volume. Went up.
2: I just want to know where all these buyers are coming from when 11 million children are going to sleep hungry. Yeah,
3: yeah, it's 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 absolutely like I said this. This is one of those times that is different from anything else. No one can ever say, oh, I've seen this before. You might have seen characteristics, but you haven't seen a country on lockdown. You haven't seen um, mortgage or I'm sorry, real estate to where these are good loans that people are getting, but a a true supply and demand issue with real estate. And you haven't seen that type of stuff. You've seen people buying crazy homes in 2008. But- they were also getting mortgages that they didn't necessarily qualify for. But this is one of those things where these people are actually on the books, doing the legit, actually qualified for them. But, hey, I'm going to pay 100000 over just so I can get a bigger house <laughs> instead of, you know what I mean, what this price is. So um, before COVID, they said it was about six buyers for every home. Now it's um, about 50. And so- you know that that makes things go crazy.
2: Go hey, Court, I see you.
4: No, uh, I was going to ask about this meme I saw, um, but I couldn't find it. The uh, this guy was making. Tell me how could someone make or skip this these scammers? Uh, it's been going on forever, but like uh, even with like the Bernie Madoffs and stuff like that. But how did this guy? And I'm probably telling the story wrong. How did this guy was able to scam some? people out of all this money while he was in prison i don't know did you mm-hmm. see that like how does that work like how does people get like the information and, and banking stuff and all that and especially this guy was working behind bars like how? i just don't get like and then same thing like with the whole bernie madoff thing And i know it's people other people like that it's just like if if i decide to work with you and something goes wrong i mean i made that choice i don't see how Bernie, someone like Bernie Madoff gets 100 years, over 100 years for that. Now, I know he's dead now, but I'm just saying I don't I don't I don't understand that.
3: That you understand the punishment or how it could occur? Both, because, number
4: one, the the name of the game, capitalism is basically playing off people's ignorance. I mean, they just. That's exactly what what it was. So that's that's Bernie Madoff. So, I (laughs) mean, I just don't get like how some how in certain cases that's illegal. But in certain cases, it's capitalism. I, I just don't, I don't get it. I know it's like a crazy roundabout question. I was looking for the meme to exact, uh, ask you exactly, but I just don't understand it when it comes to money. You know?
3: Yeah. When, as far as the whole Bernie Madoff situation, I mean, it, it's sad. It's, it's just, the, it's the same thing as um, like people sending somebody overseas five hundred thousand dollars for a bride. Hey, we were supposed to get married. Uh, or, I'm, or I need $500,000 to get to the U.S. to marry you. Uh, and then, mm. the, then the story changes and you drained your account. Cause I actually recently just heard a story of a guy who drained his, his him and his wife's account, 500 grand uh, was gone in cash to this person overseas. But how it happens is you're right. It is ignorant. Uh, when it comes to what does legit look like in the financial industry, The buyer beware thing is people are not equipped to identify, hey, this doesn't sound right. It's the same thing as the SUSU um, situation, the cash boards that was happening about two years ago, that, hey, this is the way we do it, we circulate. Well, that kind of died down a little bit uh, and actually went away. Uh, But also it's the same thing as you try to put something on Craigslist, you're like, hey, I want you to come by my sofa. Yeah, I'll, I'll pay you $750 for yourself. Well, I'm only asking $500. Oh, just send me the $250 back. That, you know what I mean, who if I'm buying something from you, why would you give me a $250 tip? Or why would you pay me more, yeah. and then I have to send you money back? Right. You know what I mean? Unless it was it's $500, and I gave you six you know what I mean, or $550, and I gave you $600. Okay, I'll give you a change back on that. But not, you know what I mean, I'm going to give you over and above, and then you send me the money. These type of things happen because, especially with investments, because a lot of people who have the actual investments aren't really actually investors. Meaning they they're not really educated on their investment. They save in their four hundred and one k. Most people save in their four hundred and one k for those millions. So when they get to the retirement age, or even just any type of assets, now they're looking at, like you said, how can I flip this? And even no matter what age. Somebody is always, especially if you have some money, you're going to be looking at ways to how can I flip this? And with the Bernie Madoff, again, you take from one, you can go easily show a result to other ones by paying it into account. Hey, your account grew this. Hey, that's legit. Susie, you should invest with him because if it happened with me, I know my friend can't happen. And all they're doing is taking, taking money, moving money from one person to one person stacking it out. And that's, Essentially the Suzu thing, but that's how they actually move. But when you're making that much money and taking money out in between, you can start building an infrastructure, online presence, office. You know what I mean? You can start building all the things that people identify and have confidence in. And then you put that with here's your report of what your account done. They only know once you they're not looking at most people, don't look at their account, they don't look at their investment account. So they don't know that you put in money. Right then, and you made it look good, and you invested in a fund, but you can't really identify where that fund is. Um, but you're right, you know what I mean. As far as the punishment piece, it it don't make sense. A good good person um, that I I like to use as example is uh, if you ever heard the Wall Street Trapper on Instagram, and you heard his story about how he went to jail and what he was facing, he was in jail for ten years. For murder charge, all that type of stuff. He met someone who basically had an issue, um, took some money from people, took a, I think he said in the story, it's like three million. He told him he was like, Hey, I only have to be here one and a half years. Then I had to pay two million in restitution. Now he took three and he got to keep the other million. Huh, wow. Sounds like a good investment. <laughs> Exactly. As far as the when you talk about the unfairness. Meanwhile, Washington Trevor, he had to do 10 years for something that, you know, what I mean, they on his, they could catch him, but it wasn't as weighted in the law. It, it, the weight wasn't the same. <laughs> so um, that's that's what I'm saying. Like the law, much like taxes, much like a lot of things is anything that has ambiguity to it. It's never going to make sense, but it was built like that for a reason.
2: (laughs) I have a serious question for the whole community. Okay. I love my people. And I do know that one of the only ways that we're ever going to gain equal opportunity or power in this country is if there's an economical shift. Exactly. What can all Black people do to contribute to the economical shift of our community?
3: So, um... Incidentally, we have to really invest in the areas that we know are going to grow and yield um, wealth. So a lot of the top careers we're not participating in that we know pay $160,000, $200,000. We don't participate in that. We don't participate in a lot of careers that actually make money. So learning tech, learning engineer, you know what I mean all those different things. So we don't start off with the income needed to be able to do the other things and qualify. The second thing is it's actually a good question the home home ownership piece. We know to buy a home, but we don't oftentimes know hey, how do I evaluate if I really should be buying a home in this area? So truth be told if you buy a home in a black neighborhood, the rate, of which is going to grow value-wise is going to be slower than if you buy it in a white neighborhood. But if you buy a home in a, not just white, but Indian Islamic community with Black, you might have a few Black people in there. The combination of all, that outpaces the growth. Those homes outpace the growth of a white neighborhood. Then on top of, that particular piece again we have a lot of work to do because it gets it's not just buying a home when we do the home process right now we need to strip our homes down to bare bones but walls and ceilings so that even though the home's values are in the neighborhood we're getting the correct documentation every time and getting the proper value allocated to our home like me and my wife are in in this home buying process, uh, I'm sorry, construction or whatever. And one of the things that I told her was, hey, send that um, send that company lady over there to the house when the appraisers come here, we not going there. You know what I mean? Because even though it's a nice neighborhood, if you see me, I'm probably gonna get dinged, you know what I mean, 40, 50,000. There was a couple in Los Angeles, theirs was off 400,000. Uh, the second thing is we need people in those areas. We need not just black real estate agent. We need black appraisers. We need black. Uh, you have to have people in the places to actually help you make better decisions. Because if I had a black person come appraise my home and they're looking around, they have no reason to slight my value. They'd be like, oh, no, their value is the same as whatever. And it's documented. So these are things that we have to do. And it's going to be hard. But the more... Uh, at least what I'm encouraged by is more Black people under 40 invested in 2020 than ever, any other year. So we're starting to learn that we need to start making some moves. But the real true power in this country, if we as a race want to succeed, is it does become financial. Because under financial, I can go in, if I got the money, I can pretty much make, I, I hate to say this, but I can pretty much make anybody do what I want them to do. I can make politicians, go in my direction of law <laughs> that I want, I can make even banks change Thank some God. of their policy. Yeah, it it really, like people don't realize how much money is power. You see it on a small scale. Like I can go outside and be like, hey, I don't feel like picking up my trash. Oh, okay. I got a hundred dollars. Hey, you want a hundred dollars? you can pick up my trash. If I tell you, I'll give you $10,000. You'd be like, what I got to do for it? <laughs>
2: Even as simple as the banks, like once you have a certain amount of money in the bank, they don't. They treat you different fees. You don't. Yeah. Yeah.
3: They treat you real different. You're getting to go to the baseball games. You're getting to go to these trips. You're getting to go to a lot. I mean, these are actual things. Nice dinners. You're you're like, hey, man, there's a new restaurant here. I want to check that out. Oh, we can get you a reservation. We'll pay for it. Why? Because you they want to keep your relationship. <laughs> and the more you have, the more influence you're able to yield. And for us, like I said, we need to be able to influence some of this wealth, uh, wages, meaning if you're investing in a company, but you're a um, huge share of that company, then you have voice of, hey, y'all not being fair on y'all hiring practices. You, why y'all not getting enough candidates in here? Even I schools.
2: He just said um, influence, but he was about to say control. <laughs> <laughs> I love how you took that back. Like, go ahead and put it out there. To <laughs> but
3: but, it, but it, is, it is seriously, it is seriously controlled because again, for me, I had the 550 credit score. I had the 500 credit score. I had no savings. I had all those things. I, I'm no different than anybody. The only thing that really made me different and people asked, like, oh, you, you got lucky. I was, I was a, you know, what I was definitely very blessed because people were willing to talk to me, but I was willing to actually do what people say. And then for me, I didn't go into the bank with, oh, I'm going to just open this second account. I went in with the mindset of, man, how does this thing actually work? How are they actually making money? How can you actually control? And it is true. They you get treated differently when people as far as business, when people know you have the ability to invest, when people know you ha- actually have the money. But these institutions, yeah, it's it's real control. It's control of your life, but it's actually control that even if a person is racist, they still going to do what you. they still yeah. gonna, uh, I don't know. Like the Beverly Hillbillies, I don't know if anybody ever watched that show back in the day. He's different than everybody, <laughs> you know what I mean? But that banker would do anything he said because he's like, he got an worry. I'm not going to give this up. I'm not going to lose this. If he's not happy, I'm not going to do that. But these law, law firms, all this stuff, you know what I mean? We can influence the court system. We can influence our politicians because politicians have to have money to run on these things. And it's a lot easier for them to say, hey, I can finance your whole campaign. You know what I mean? But you need to get these on the docket. And if you don't, I can strip that too. You know what I mean? Because it's a lot easier to make me happy, one person, than all these different people. That's politics. Yeah. (laughs) That's definitely politics.
2: Can you tell people how to find you and how to... um... Get
3: some help. No, no, I appreciate it. So don't know when this is coming out. So definitely um, Money Talks with Jonathan on YouTube. You can definitely follow me there. Uh, J Thomas Solutions on Instagram. uh, You can follow me there. But Money Talks on Facebook. Facebook is really the premier place. So whether you want to join the VIP or whether you uh, just want to get connected in Money Talks, if you type that in, uh, it'll be there. But Money Talks with Jonathan, I'm I and my uh, partner, we're on all each one of those platforms constantly um, to connect. But the whole point is, um, you don't have to be a millionaire, but you can be financially independent. Hey, that's that's a picture of your queen back there. She pregnant? No, she, the baby's what thirteen months now, fourteen months.
4: Oh, yeah. Congratulations, man!
3: Huh? Yeah, yeah, she's uh, she's invested, so she's she she's fine. <laughs>
4: yeah, uh, hey, I, before we go, I saw that a, a lady, that's another meme, bought her child when she turned thirty, He was a black lady when she turned mm-hmm. and he turned 13. Five homes in Milwaukee. It yeah. was like, was that, like 5,000?
3: Yeah. That's um, like, yeah. I, I saw a dude did it for his daughter, but basically, yeah, she okay. she, owned, she owned the home and she's building the equity. It's a game changer, man, especially with kids, man. It's, no. You can do a lot of stuff for free with kids. <laughs> like, it, it's a game changer. No doubt. Yeah, Good part. meeting you, man. No, I appreciate you guys having me. It was an honor. Thank
4: no. you. Great advice you gave us too, man. Thank you.
3: Nah, no, it's my pleasure. Anything I can do to help, I'd be happy to. All right, Absolutely. my man. Hi, See you me. guys later. All right.
0: What up, Cherry? Turn across the world. Welcome to Cherry's World. Girl across the world. Welcome to Cherry's World. Representing for every girl. Welcome to Cherry's World. World for every, girl. every girl. Welcome to Cherry's World. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts. So, you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call clickgranger.com
3: or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.
1: When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons.